Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. This teaching is from the series, The Unexpected King, which was taught to help us celebrate Advent in 2022. In this series, we consider several unexpected characteristics of the coming King, as seen in Zechariah 9.9. We hope this helps you understand and apply God's Word in your life today. As uh, Brett said, my name is Bobby Bell. Uh, for those of you that don't know, for those of you that do know, you wish you didn't. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm, this is the last time I'm going to do this because a couple times ago I came up here and uh, I mentioned my age. I'm not going to do that today, okay? I'm not going to mention my age because, quite frankly, I can't remember how old I am. I want to talk a little bit in my introduction about a man uh, named Gustavo Rojas Pinilla. And he was the president of Colombia from 1953 to 1957. Now, the country had been under brutal, um, the, the brutal authoritarian rule of a man named Laureano Gomez for four years. Now, um, Gustavo Rojas Pinilla promised the people peace, justice, and liberty. And because of that, he was eagerly voted in to be the next president. But rather than peace, he ruled with an iron fist. Uh, and it profited, first and foremost, Gustavo Rojas Pinilla, right? He is, the on, he is not the only example. Um, but there are many, many rulers over the centuries who came in to rescue their people, promising uh, deliverance from hardship, either from previous rulers or from an, a, a real or a perceived enemy. Hitler, Mussolini, Hugo Chavez, and many, many others. There are just a few to come to my mind. The reason Rojas Pinilla was received was because the people are, people are always happy to find someone to rescue them from their enemies. And the only way to do that, the only known way to do that is through might. Right? Well, today we're going to see a king. The people were ready for a king to deliver them from their enemies. And they were ready to step back and watch his might. But this king had a different plan. He had a far better plan. This king is Jesus, and he came humbly and gently. We're in the middle of a series, uh, for those of you that don't know, it's called The Unexpected King. And un is in parentheses because uh, he was expected just as he came, except many people missed it, and so they expected him a very different way than he came. And this is the third in the series, and today's is, uh, message is the humble and gentle king. So we're going to look at our uh, scripture this morning, and our scripture is based on, for the whole series, is uh, Zechariah 9.9, if you can get that up there. It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the full of a donkey. So, um, the first point, if you can go, oh, that's good enough. You can leave it there. Um, the first point that I want to look at, and I just really want to look at this under two basic points this morning, the humble and gentle king, and that is the expected nature and the unexpected nature. Now, the expected nature of Messiah was as conqueror. He was expected to bring his might. And uh, let's look at a couple of these. Stay there for this one because the first one is he would indeed be a king. 
If you see, it says right in our scripture, see, your king comes to you. So that's the foundation. The, new, the Messiah that is to come is going to be our king. He's going to be in the line of David, and he is going to uh, rescue us, as it were. The first point is he would be a king. The second point is he would come in power. Let's look at Daniel chapter 7 for a moment. He would come in power. Um, Daniel chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. The chapter 7, um, Daniel talks about four uh, beasts in that, in that chapter. And um, first of all, um, he talks about four beasts in that chapter. And if you really wanted to hear about in, in detail about that, Brett preached on that last year, and it's in, you can find that on our website and delve into that for more depths. It's really good stuff that I don't have time to go into today. But he talked about four beasts, and first of all, this Messiah is going to come in and rescue from the beast in power, or from the kings, kings of the beast. We'll get to that in a moment. But um, in the scripture, he said, um, first of all, he will come in power with the clouds. He's coming with clouds. That's a speaking of him coming with heavenly sanction and coming in the power and authority of heaven. In my vision, in verse 13, he says, At night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, talking about uh, the coming Messiah. He was coming with the clouds in heaven. You see I have that there. Uh, and, then he, and then I move on to verse 14. He says, He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. Okay? So he would come with the authority of heaven. So they're looking for a king. They're looking one that is authoritative, that is powerful, that's coming sanctioning, sanctioned from heaven, and then his kingdom would never end. Look at verse 14 there. He says uh, at the end of it, I have it in green back here. It says, his dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. I don't know if you realize, but in one sentence he said the same thing three times. Three times he said his dominion is an everlasting dominion, which means everlasting means? Everlasting means it lasts forever. It will not pass away. That means it's going to be there, right? And he says, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Once again, everlasting. Three ways in one sentence to say. So that is powerful. When God says it once, he says it twice, he says it three times, you can put, take it to the bank even after the first time, right? So there you have it. He's a king coming sanctioned from heaven in power, in authority, in glory, and his kingdom will never end. They're setting this thing up. Um, now, the, second, the third thing is that he would um, be a king who came in power, and he would defeat the leader of the fourth beast that I just mentioned. Further on in chapter 7, he talks about this, these, the beast, and be preceding the scripture I just read, he tells what those four beasts were. Now, these four beasts were a lion, a bear, a leopard, you know, and you think, what's the next one going to be? Well, maybe a tiger or something like that. The fourth one was a terrifying and frightening beast. Think about that. A lion, we know what that is. We know what a bear is. We know what a leopard is. What is a terrifying beast? I don't know, is it an orc? I don't know what it is. It's, you know, it's something really nasty that he couldn't even describe. It was so bad. And in the midst of that, that terrifying, wicked, CGI-looking beast or whatever it was, uh, this beast was so much uh, more vile 
than the three previous. And all these beasts represent king. All these uh, beasts represent kingdoms. Um, and the fourth beast was looked at as representing Rome. We're setting up something here. It was representing Rome. Rome was the most fierce kingdom that had ever been known to the history of the world. Now, at this time, it hadn't risen yet when this prophecy came. But later on, it came and it showed itself to be a terrifying and frightening beast. And in that context, the fourth beast being a Rome, a, a, a king came out of that. And so he says, uh, he gave me this explanation in verse 23. The fourth beast is the fourth kingdom that will appear on earth. It will be different from all the other kingdoms and will devour the whole earth, trampling it down and crushing it. Now, the ten horns are ten kings who come from this kingdom. After them, another king will arise different from the earlier ones, and he will subdue the kings. So this is the most powerful king out of all the most terrifying beasts that came, uh, of a kingdom that came to be. And here's what happens to that king. He will speak against the Most High and oppress the saints and try to change set times and laws. The saints will be handed over to him for a time, times, and time and a half. All right? Here's what happens to him. The court will sit and his power will be taken away and completely destroyed once again forever. Then the sovereign, sovereignty, power, and greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven will be handed over to the saints, the people of the Most High. And here he says again, his kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom and all rulers will worship and obey him. See, he is coming with authority, with power, with glory, with might to destroy the fourth beast. This was the, was the expected Messiah. And fourthly, he would defeat all nations and possess them. Let's quickly look at Psalm chapter 2. He says, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will proclaim the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I've become your father. He says that he's talking about the coming Messiah. And by the way, when I say Messiah, it's the same thing as Christ. All right, Messiah is the Hebrew word. Christ is the Greek word. And when you say Jesus Christ, I think I heard Brett say this before. That's not his last name. That means the anointed one. He was the one to be anointed. So when I say Messiah, you might hear me say Messiah or Christ, but that's who I'm talking about, the anointed one of God. So that's who he's speaking of. And then in verse, eight, verse 9, he says, You will rule them with an iron scepter. You will dash them to, the pieces, to, uh, uh, to pieces like pottery. So that's the expected nature of the coming Messiah, a conqueror, a conqueror who has might and power, a conqueror who, um, who will come on clouds with authority and sovereign power and, um, and sanctioning from heaven, who will destroy the fourth beast and whose kingdom will never end and he will dash them to pieces. So this is who they were looking for, someone to dash Rome to pieces. When Jesus came on the scene, we talk about the advent. We talk about the manger, the little picture that you see up here. We think of the baby Jesus. They, th they were thinking whenever Messiah comes, he's going to crush Rome and dash it to pieces. Got the picture? Now, the unexpected nature of Messiah, and that's the thrust of what we're going to talk about today, is actually humble and gentle. Now, don't get me wrong. What we just looked at was Scripture. We're not going to develop that today, but that's what they were thinking. And both truths are true, a conqueror and humble and gentle, but they missed it. And I'm going to talk about that towards the end, why they missed that. 
So the unexpected nature of Messiah is he's humble and gentle. Um, and I'm going to look at this under three different points here. The first one is it was prophesied. It was foretold that he would be humble and gentle. And um, Let's go back to our first scripture, and he would come riding on a donkey. You see the prophecy in our scripture, Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9 says, See your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey. Gentle and riding on a donkey. So he's going to come. Kings that come to conquer come riding horses. Kings that come in peace may ride on a donkey, but they're, they're never going to ride on a, to war on, uh, to vanquish an enemy. They're not going to crush Rome and dash to pieces riding a donkey. But yet it was prophesied that our humble king would. And you notice the word there I have highlighted, it's gentle. Some translations say humble. Um, and they're very similar, but they're somewhat different. And I've decided to, to, to take them too because there are times when the aspect of Jesus looks humble, it looks gentle. They're both part of the same thing, but you'll see we'll talk about both humility and gentleness. So he would come riding on a donkey. It was prophesied. Secondly, it was prophesied that he would be uh, he would come as gentle as a shepherd. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 11. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers his lambs in his arms, and he carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. Hey, you know what? This is our Savior, a shepherd. I don't know if you've ever seen a shepherd at work. I've never have. I've not. I'm a city boy. I've never seen a shepherd. Uh, but I hear that they're very tender with their sheep. They're very loving and caring. And um, I've read about it. And we see that that's the way this Messiah, this coming Messiah, the Christ who is to come, is going to be so gentle as a shepherd, as he's going to be cl put him close to his heart. That is a very different picture. That is the unexpected nature. The third thing is, is he would not defend himself. So, and there's... Let me tell you, we could spend a whole series just on the prophecies of him being gentle and humble. I just wanted to pick up a couple of points on the prophecies before we move to uh, his life in and of itself. He would not defend himself. Over in Isaiah 53, 7, he says, He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. He would not defend himself. Think about the picture that they gave uh, at the beginning, uh, the conqueror dashing Rome to pieces. Can you imagine having the power to dash Rome to pieces? This can't be our Messiah. No wonder they wanted to send him to the cross. This guy's not going to save us from Rome. We don't want him. Um, and we're not going to develop that, but that is just the point, is that he was so gentle and humble that though he had the power to save himself, he stood there quietly. Amen? You with me? All right. So, um, first I said the humble and gentle king, it was prophesied. Secondly, he demonstrated his humility and gentleness. And now what I want to do is look at his demonstration. And what we're going to do um, is look at just scan Jesus' life and look at moments when he was humble and gentle. 
First of all, he proclaimed it himself. He declared his humility and gentleness in Matthew chapter 11, where he said, Come to me, all, who, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon, me, upon you and learn, of, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. See that? Gentle and humble. There, he put them both together. There they are. I like that. Gentle and humble in heart. So he declared that that's who I am. So in the midst of him being, he knows he's the, the Messiah. He knows. But his, his demonstration of his life is one such that he's showing it rather than telling it. And he's really showing his disciples, but he's showing the world who he is. But he told his people, come to me because I am gentle and lowly of heart. And we're going to talk about that again is how he wants us to be gentle and humble of heart as well in that passage. But right now, let's look at some scenes. So first of all, he was born in humility. He was born in humility. Luke chapter 2, verse 10, a very familiar passage, but the angel of the Lord was speaking to them, says, Fear not, I bring you good news or good tidings of great joy. You know that. And look at the part in red. He says, You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Now, what I would like you all to do, and we don't have a long time, but I need you to give me all the list of all the kings in the history that were born in a manger. <laughs> you got one. That's about it. It just doesn't happen, man. Come on. Born in a stable with cows, ox, and other animals doing what animals do. I mean, it's really, really was not a beautiful scene. Kings born in that, and, and we're going to keep it G-rated here. We're not even going to talk about what was in that, in that stable. But you know, all right? And uh, that's just the point. He was born in, low, in a low place. He was born in humility. Uh, secondly, he was gentle with children. Over in Mark chapter 10, verse 13, um, people were bringing little children to Jesus to have him uh, lay hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. Uh, time out. The disciples <laughs> rebuked God, okay? How, how, you, come on, man. Hey, do you ever think how ludicrous that was? And Peter was the great rebuker, you know? How do you say no, Lord, and rebuke? Who's the Lord? If I say no, Lord, it just makes me the Lord, right? So they're trying to show yourself there. But the reason they did that was not trying to upstage him. It was just, they were indignant. It says it right there. They they, well, it says they, were, um, they rebuked him, and Jesus was indignant of them trying to usurp that and come to a point where they just didn't understand. They still felt that if you're a ruler, you, we got no time for kids. You know, Jesus was tender. He was gentle with children. Verse 16 says, And he took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. See, Jesus lived a, gentle, a tender life. He was a gentle child, and in adult, he was gentle with a child or with children. Thirdly, he was gentle in other people's pain. Here is a situation where um, the shortest verse in, in, in the Bible, Jesus wept. The context of Jesus wept was that his friend had just died. And he goes to a funeral Get this picture, a funeral he already knows that he's going to raise the guy from the dead. So what is the reason to cry? At least for him. Did he have a reason to cry? I mean, naturally speaking, no. 
Because what are you crying about? Dude, you know, we're going to be shooting hoops later. Maybe I got, okay. But, but we're going to be hanging out together. We're, he's coming back. He's not dead. He just sleeps. Jesus even said it. But Jesus was so gentle, was so tender, was so loving and caring and compassionate that he cried. And he tells us to weep with those who weep, mourn with those who mourn, okay? That is part of Jesus' nature that he wants to impart to his children, those of his people. Through the Holy Spirit, we are to be tender like that. And we're going to get to that in a minute. But he felt so much pain for someone that he knew that it was not even going to be in any need of pain. There he is. Uh, so the next thing he did was, or another thing that he did is his triumphal entry. Jesus comes in, displayed as the king, as it said in Zechariah 9, on a donkey. And here is the fulfillment of that in Matthew chapter 21, verse 2, or uh, 2 and following. Go to the village, Jesus said, go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. Skipping down, it says in verse 4, this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. The prophet who? Zechariah. Good. You get an A for the pop quiz. He said, say to the daughter of Zion, see, your, come, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Haven't we just heard that? It was prophesied hundreds of years ago, Zechariah. Today it is fulfilled. And he comes riding in, um, Verse 7, they brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. Jesus rode in just as he said. Even his, his, uh, his triumphal entry was in humility. The next thing was uh, he was gentle all through life. He was gentle even while dying. He said uh, when Jesus saw his mother over in John and he's on the cross, he said... Um, Dear woman, here's your son, and to the disciple, here's your mother. Um, and I really don't mean to, I'm not trying to be funny, and I'm, I'm not trying to be dramatic, but he, he would not have said it that way. He was actually dying, and however he would have said it, he would have been in agony saying it. You know, it's like, dear Lord, I mean, he's dying, he's in pain, he's just gasping for breaths, and he's thinking about his tender heart. Remember he said, I'm gentle and humble of heart? His gentle and humility of heart is caring for his mother there. Dear woman, here is your son. Uh, and to the disciple, here is your mother. Jesus was gentle in death. All right? Next, he humbly gave him his life. And uh, while there's many New Testament scriptures, I think it's, uh, I'm going to actually look at Isaiah because he fulfilled this exactly. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Keep in mind when we're reading this, contrast this with what they thought was coming. The expected nature. Remember, we're still on the unexpected nature. He carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Stop, pause, and praise God. Praise God. The almighty, powerful, majestic Messiah took 
our pain when he didn't have to. He was so humble and gentle and loving that he bore the sin of every person, of every sin that they ever, ever committed on his shoulders, on his back, on his life. Keep that in mind. Understand how important that is, that Jesus himself did that, the humble and gentle king. And then the final point of just uh, going through his life, water skiing through his life and seeing how gentle and humble he was, he was... He was even gentle and humble. He was gentle after his death. He was resurrected. He came back, and he gently restored Peter. Uh, after they came back, recall that Peter denied Jesus. And uh, we had an opportunity. I mean, there's so many options to look at Jesus' gent uh, gentleness. We could have looked at when Peter hacked off the high priest's servant, Malchus's ear. I mean, he's going to rescue Jesus single-handedly. I got this Lord, whack, and took off the ear. And I don't think he was going for the ear. Okay? <laughs> it was dark, but I think he was going for the end. Jesus healed it. He put, he put it back on and healed it perfectly. But Peter... That powerful Peter later that same night denied Jesus. He denied he ever knew him. So Jesus comes back and everybody's happy and the world is going, you know, every, everything is good, man. Peter, you got to imagine Peter's not feeling good because two people were at, really had a problem that night. Yay, 12 of them did really, but uh, uh, Judas had a problem. Judas betrayed him, but Judas was gone, okay? He was no more. Um, Peter, but the other 10 fled as well, all right? But Peter especially led in this flight, if you will. So Peter's sitting on the, on the beach there, and he's, he's, he's got his head down, and he's, he's worried. I mean, he's, he's not feeling so good. And, Peter, and Jesus, no, Siri, sorry, it's not your turn. I didn't say Siri, I said Peter. Um, Simon Peter was sitting there head down, and Jesus came over to him gently and said, um, Get thee behind me, Siri. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Gently, do you love me more than these? And this whole scene, I'm not going to read this whole scripture, but he says three times to him, do you love me? And look at in red, he says, feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. And finally he tells him, he gives him a hint of how he's going to die. He says, but at the end, he says, follow me. Now, humanly speaking, if we could come back from life, and if all this could happen in our lives, which it couldn't, not that way, yet humanly, that's be the guy that, you know what, these 10 I got, but you find another Messiah. You got to go. You know, I mean, think about that. We wouldn't want that guy. This is a guy that denied me. And Jesus saw it. It's not like he had to hear it. He looked and he saw Peter as he was going by denying him. And he told him he was going to deny him. And yet he restored him gently. This is our gentle Messiah, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who has come, that we, we see him at the Advent as a baby, but growing up and all through his life, 
and continuing to this day, he is the humble and gentle king, and he demonstrated it. So, um, it was prophesied, he demonstrated it, and then finally he taught his followers to be humble and gentle. He said, um, the gentle shall be, uh, shall be blessed. That's the first thing. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 5 says, Blessed or blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek. Okay, there is a, a tremendous blessing for those. He's teaching us right out the gate. This was on a Sermon on the Mount early on. And he's teaching his followers that a big, huge blessing comes from not being like the world, but being like him, humble and lowly of heart. All right? Those will inherit the kingdom. In fact, they will inherit the whole earth. He said, uh, so he's teaching this. He said to learn humility and gentleness directly from him. So his major teaching, his big um, sermon, he taught it. He also taught it in that passage we looked at earlier over in Matthew chapter 11. He said, come to me again, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And here it is. Take my yoke upon me. I say that every time. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Learn from me. And then he says, you know, take that yoke. I am gentle and humble in heart. Learn that I am gentle and humble from heart. Learn from me. And that way you'll find rest with your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Okay? The natural way to do things is the way the world does it, the way our natural flesh wants us to do it. <coughs> and um, it doesn't lead to any peace and, and comfort. It leads to instead um, turmoil, struggle, pain, strife. But his yoke, the gentle and humble yoke, yoked up with the humble, gentle king, will lead to ease, e life of ease and burden. That, uh, and burden is light. doesn't mean it's perfect. It just means that we can rest on and in him. <coughs> now, um, and then the final teaching, um, <coughs> I think she got that. The final teaching is uh, Paul said to be humble like Jesus. And this is one of my favorite passages in Scripture. Philippians chapter 2, he says, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made uh, in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient, obedient to death, even death on a cross. Think about that. Think about that, death on the cross. Jesus, who had the power and did not need in any way to subject himself, he could have called legions of angels, <coughs> he could have called legions of angels down. Thank you. He could have even um, not only just called legions of angels down, he could have taken himself off the cross. I mean, we've seen him do miracles, right? He didn't have to go there, and he didn't have to stay there. But he did because it was called for. He was obedient. He was obedient even to death, death on a cross. That's how he wants us to be because in that passage, he talks us to consider others uh, higher than we consider ourselves and to have that same attitude, to have that same mindset that Jesus Christ himself had, and that is to be humble. 
Um, that is our testimony even. Uh, when people want to be, uh, it's attractive to people. When they see how can he, how can she have that compassion, that, 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 that tenderness in times when it's, most people would lose it, that becomes attractive in rough times when people are needed. Amen? Now, the Holy Spirit himself empowers his people to be gentle. Um, he says, I say, uh, in Galatians, he's talking about the fruit of the Spirit. He says, I live by the Spirit. In living by the Spirit, we will get, uh, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Rather, that's how we become like Jesus. And he has this ninefold fruit of the Spirit. And one part of that fruit, it says, is gentleness. Against such things there is no law. Okay, the fruit of living with Jesus, of the Holy Spirit empowering us, indwelling us and empowering us, is one portion of that is gentleness. Gentleness. That's how we get it. Gentleness through the Holy Spirit. And only, it's only available to his people. That's the only one who can get it, is those who are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. But he calls us to that in order that his name may be praised. It's not that we get any glory. We get the joy out of him getting the glory. Amen? So how do we apply this today? Um, many, many ways, but I'm just going to break it down to a couple of things. You know, Jesus came as a humble and gentle king. However, and this is what I talked about earlier, he also did come as a conquering king. Now, we know that in Revelation, there's, there's still things to come. There's still more conquering to come. But in actual, in, in our way of speaking, but in actuality, he already came as a conquering king. You see, the Jews in that day, they had it all wrong. They didn't, uh, uh, God did not send Messiah to conquer an external enemy, which he had done so many times in their history before. He sent them, uh, they had an enemy, they conquered him, and what did they do? They returned right back as a dog returns to his vomit, so a sinner returns to his sin which is a paraphrase of a, of a proverb, right? And that's exactly what happens. And he's not going to do that again. What would have happened had God sent a, a Messiah type to crush Rome? They'd have gone right back to their sin, right? And blaspheming God and, and, and going after idols. He's, no, he sent this Messiah um, to show that, to conquer the greatest enemy. And that is not the external enemy that is the internal enemy. The internal enemy of sin, exactly. So he sent the humble, gentle king. And, and, and let me tell you, sin continues to this day to be personal enemy number one. Not public enemy number one, but personal enemy number one is sin. And who's there to conquer that enemy? Who is he? Jesus. Jesus Christ. Messiah. He is the one to conquer that enemy. Because did you ever realize that when you, when you strip it away and realize just the known things in our life, what sin has done to us? You know, you've seen as, as we reflect back on past times, recent or far back, and we look at, and look at how we messed up and how sin, and look at the consequences thereof. What about the eternal consequences of sin? See, our Lord, our humble and gentle King, saved us from the eternal consequences of sin. Why? Because He came to indwell us and He saved His people. So, have I repented of my sin? That's the first point of application is, 
am I a child of God? He came to conquer the enemy, but have I opened the gates and let him come in and fight for me? Or did I say, no, I got this. Sin's not a problem for me. Yeah, it is. But I'm telling you, he is the only one, and he wants you. He's calling you today. And if you hear his voice, today is the day of salvation. Repent of your sin. And I mean truly repent. Turn away from sin and turn towards Jesus. And if you want more to talk about that, please see one of our elders, see myself after the service. We'd be happy to pray with you and, and show you how you can know he's your Lord and Savior and be freed from the power of sin. Second point of application, am I trusting God to live in humility and gentleness daily? Am I trusting him or am I trying to defeat the flesh with the flesh? Doesn't work. It's really a version of sin, right? When I'm walking, I mean, it, I just read, walk by the spirit and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh, the fleshly nature. Walk by the flesh and we will. And so we need our Lord and Savior to fight for us. Am I trusting him daily? How might I be able to do that? Well, if I could take, um, you know, ex extreme opposites. We have humility and gentleness. This is Jesus, humility and gentleness. Now, if I placed on a table up here, humility and gentleness, okay? And I'm going to place the exact opposite of humility and gentleness. You know what I'm going to put on this table? Social media. Hum humility, gentleness, social media. Can I get an amen? amen. Yeah, right? Okay. Is anybody going to want to argue with that? Yeah, you tell me you're on a social media if you want to argue with me. <laughs> but seriously, limiting our social media time, limiting it and increasing our time in God's Word and in prayer. In God's Word, reading His Word and meditating on His Word. Speaking his word, thinking on his word, memorizing his word. This is getting increasingly difficult as the older we get. So we really need to work on it. But he gives rich rewards for that. And we move more towards humility and gentleness than the other stuff. And uh, connect with God's people on a regular basis as well. Connecting with God's people. That's not a surefire thing, but we are so immersed in the worldly culture constantly. We need to spend time in God's word, spend time in prayer, and then fellowship and encourage one another while it's called today, lest we be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. All right? So we're looking for humility and gentleness. Christ, our king, our conquering king, but our humble and gentle king wants us to be so, and he equips us to be so. If only we will just get out of the way and let him do what he does. Amen? All right, so we're going to uh, now come to the Lord's table. And uh, we're going to partake in this together, and uh, this is called the table of humility today. It's a communion with our Lord. It's a holy time with God. Uh, to sit with him, and it's a holy time of God and his people. Um, you don't have to be a member of Bay Ridge Christian Church to partake, but you do have to be a member of God's eternal church. As I said earlier, if you don't know the Lord, your God, 
the Lord as your Savior. Uh, please let it pass, but we will be happy to speak and pray with you. But if you are a believer, there are elements. If you don't have it already, you can go to the back corner over here and re get that. Um, Jesus died. Jesus alone died for our sin, and because of him, we can have pure hearts uh, if you receive him as your Lord and Savior. Before we uh, partake, just like to bow our heads in silence and reflect. Take a time for reflection and confession of sin, if that's what it is, uh, and allow the Lord to purify our hearts and speak to our hearts, the humble and gentle King. For what I received from the Lord, I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread, and after he blessed it, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup. And after blessing it, he poured it out. He said, this is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Drink from this, all you, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Father, we're grateful to you, and we're grateful for your eternal plan for our salvation. We had a great need, and you had a greater solution. You, in your infinite wisdom, knew that our only hope was the humble, gentle king who conquers sin and death. You continue to confound those who think they are wise in this world, and yet through your love you make it so simple to those who, are, who humble themselves and draw near to you. We're further grateful, Lord, that we did not possess the internal will to be able to humble ourselves. Thank you for choosing us to be your people and granting us the will to receive Jesus the Messiah as our Lord and Savior. And because of that, we have assurance of your salvation and we can have eternal fellowship with you in your presence. Amen. Take, eat. Lord Jesus, it is you who, though you are in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. You humbled yourself and chose to come to a people who utterly and forcefully rejected you. And as the king, you came in a way that the world sees as foolish, that is, you came as a humble, gentle king. You were born in the lowly place of a manger in a stable. You lived your life on this earth, continually demonstrating your gentleness and your humility. All the way to the cross, when you could have called down legions of angels to rescue and to wipe out the Jews who had crucified you and the Gentiles who crucified you. Or you could have rescued yourself, but you chose to remain perfectly humble and we thank you, Lord, for being the one we needed, the humble, gentle king and Lord of all. Take, drink. Holy Spirit of God, we're thankful that you're here. And we're ready to follow your leading. We ask you to sharpen our spiritual senses to truly hear from you. We ask that you teach us to follow our Lord Jesus into humility and gentleness throughout this week. We pray that you would guide us to be patient and loving to the most difficult people we encounter with humility and with gentleness. We ask you to grow our testimony before unbelievers that they would see Jesus in us and in so doing would magnify his great name. In Jesus' name, amen. 
and now stand and receive the benediction. Adapted from Isaiah 53 and Jude. Now to the Lord and Messiah, who took up our infirmities, carried our sorrows, was pierced for our transgressions, was crushed for our iniquities, healed us by his wounds, was oppressed and afflicted, yet did not open his mouth, was led like a lamb to the slaughter. To him be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Brothers and sisters, draw near to the humble, gentle king, and may you receive his blessing. Go forth in his name and be blessed to be a blessing. Amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. For more teachings and resources, please visit www.brcc.church.